Hi, my name's Nick Smith, founder and creator of Part-Time Pilot. Now, after three years, five flight instructors, and over $22,000 out of my bank account, I was finally able to achieve my dream and become a private pilot. Now, I have a bachelor's and master's in aerospace engineering and over 10 years experience as a flight test engineer. So if it was that difficult for someone like me, no wonder eight out of 10 student pilots never end up becoming a pilot. So this is why I created Part-Time Pilot, and this is why I'm creating this podcast. This podcast will be your audio ground school and just another way part-time pilot is making flight training easier and more consumable for you. So with over 300 students and counting that have used our content to pass the FAA private pilot exams, I hope that you can use this podcast to become the next student to do so. So thank you and I hope you enjoy listening to the part-time pilot Audio Ground School Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Nick from Part-Time Pilot. This is the Part-Time Pilot Audio Ground School, where I go through each and every lesson of our online ground school for you in audio format. That way, it makes things a little bit easier on you. You know, we're all part-time pilots at the beginning, whether you want to make it a career or not. We all have a bunch of stuff going on in our lives. Stuff is already super expensive, so this is our way of trying to make learning the material a little bit more convenient for all you guys. Now, if you're in the online ground school, you're following along, this lesson is going to continue on section five weather theory charts and information in the online ground school so we do our online ground school a process of five steps and step two is all the lessons step one is to is is optional but it's to it's to see where you're at in terms of your knowledge we give you a checklist a practice test and the reason we do that and the reason it's optional is because a lot of students come over from other online ground schools they were they weren't satisfied with those or they had an in-person ground school and didn't pick up the lesson so we want to see like all right what knowledge do you know what do you not know so we can tailor it more specifically specifically to your situation and that way it's more efficient on your time because time is money people and so step two is all the lessons and inside the lessons there's images there's examples there's mnemonic devices and there's quizzes which aren't or which are obviously not all going to be in this podcast i can't do it all through audio so if you are following along in the online ground school then we're in section five weather theory charts and information and last episode we covered lessons 12 Lesson 12, which was METARs and TAFs, was quite a long lesson because METARs and TAFs have a lot of information you have to decode. And I mentioned in that lesson, it's a great lesson to just, you know, print that screen off and have it as a reference when you're decoding METARs and TAFs as, as you're learning them as a student. Today's episode, we're going to go to lesson 13 on PIREPS, and then we might get to lesson 14 on area forecast. So we're kind of continuing on those weather reports, how to read them as a pilot, and what is the important information you need to garner from these reports. Now, the last thing I'll say is if you're not in the online ground school and you want to check us out, go to parttimepilot.com. We have the most value of any other online ground school out there. I did that on purpose so that I, because I don't like selling people. <laughs> so I just wanted to make it easy. So it's the best price for the best value. We do bi-weekly live lessons where you can come on, ask me any questions. We have a community study group. We actually are starting up study sessions for our students on our Zoom once, uh, you know, between our weekly live sessions. And then we also, we have yet to have a student fail their FA written exam. So that means that every student that has gone through and completed our entire online ground school and gotten an endorsement from us, not one has failed 
their exam. So we're now over like 407 or something like that. Total students that have done that. We actually had five students in the last two weeks pass their written exam. I remember when we were just starting out and getting that first student to pass their exam. It was so exciting. And then it was like one a month and then one every two weeks and now getting two to three every single week is just super duper exciting. So if you want to join us, we're also about to give out. So this is going to drop on, I believe, January 9th is when you'll be listening first chance to listen to this podcast and we are doing a scholarship for our members of our online ground school we do about four of them a year i don't have a exact schedule but we do about four of them a year and we are going to announce the next one on february 1st so so if you you have to be a member and then once you're in you can apply the quick application on your membership page and if you have any questions just email us at team at parttimepilot.com it's a thousand dollar scholarship and we hope to do more of them as we get more successful but right now we're doing about four year and it's really exciting so we get a lot of good applications but um that is something if you want to if you want to get in on and have that opportunity then now is a good time to join and then the final thing i want to mention is that we're doing a free giveaway of this course it's one of our bonus courses it's called how to become a pilot and save money so it's basically the step-by-step overall picture of how you become a private pilot we even have a little figure of how you go on to become like a commercial pilot and then but we break it down into detail so you understand the flight training industry and you can avoid the pitfalls that i made that cost me over six thousand dollars of unnecessary funds. Like I didn't need to spend that money looking back if I would have known the things that are in this course. That's actually the first course I made after my flight training because I really wanted other students to know that. And that $6,000 nowadays is probably like $10,000 with all the price increases. So the number one way to make private pilot training affordable is to avoid these mistakes and then i also have lists of scholarships from around the u.s that you can apply to in there and more tips and tricks like how to find the exact right flight school and make sure they're not ripping you off things like that so that is a free course it's a one of our bonus courses so if you get the online ground school you also get that but it's a free course we're doing right now i'll put the link in the show notes you can go there if you go to parttimepilot.com and click on the free course in our menu, but also I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, so enough of that. Let's get to the episodes. Now, I mentioned that we are doing an episode. So this lesson, we're gonna do it on PyReps, lesson 13 on PyReps, and then we'll probably get into lesson 14 area forecast. If we have time, the next lesson will be winds and aloft, winds and temperatures aloft forecast. So let's get to lesson 13 of section five on PyReps. A PyRep, is a pilot report. So they've abbreviated down, they took the P, they took the I, and then they took the REP of report to make PIREP. It's a report of actual weather conditions as observed by pilots. Now, METARs and TAFs can be like automated systems that are data gathered by, you know, like a, a wind sensor, a precipitation sensor, uh, a barometer, stuff like that, that's all sort of automated in these, these instruments but it's not an actual pirate, uh, a report from an actual pilot who's up there in the elements in the sky at specific altitudes. So the real key features of a PIREP are the altitudes that the pilot was flying at. So if you're gonna fly a similar altitude as a pilot report that was just made, that would be of interest to you. And then stuff like turbulence and, and new weather. So things that might not be found or hard to find in like an automated report like a meter or TAF and things that are up 
in the altitude bands that you might fly are things of interest in a PIREP. Weather forecasts and weather models have, they also have inaccuracies and the only true and tried way to know what the weather is like at a specific area in the sky is to see it for yourself. This makes PIREPs very useful especially when they have been submitted recently. Pilots can make PIREPs to a flight service station in FSS while in the air over the radio, or they can call or they can make a report online after landing. So I want you guys to remember that this might be a question that you get either on your checkered or your FRA written exam. You can make a PIREP report. So any pilot can make a PIREP report. You can do it in the air to a FSS station. You can call right over the air or the radio and say, I want to make a PIREP and you just describe to them the conditions or you can do it, you can call them after the flight or you can do a report even online. So there's three ways all are viable to make a pilot report and the more recent, the better. PIREPs use similar abbreviation as a METAR or a TAF, which we went over in the last episode of the, pod, the podcast. And in the, if you're in the online ground school, go check it out. We have an example of a bunch of different PIREPs from different station identifiers. So a bunch of different lines of PIREPs so you can get a good example of what a PIREP is and you can get those from aviationweather.org. I will get, again put a link to that in the show notes. We put a link to that in the last episode's notes. That is a great and probably the place to get your weather information as a pilot. And then we actually have one where we we label each and every section of the PIREP and we decode it for you and tell you exactly what it means. So for example, what the station is, it, whether it's a routine report or not, the location of the station and where it's, uh, where it's located, the report, when it, the report was made, all that stuff like that, every single section in there is decoded in an example. So please go check that out if you're in the online ground school. For the podcast, we're going to go over every single section, what those sections are, how you identify those sections and what those sections mean means, as well as sort of a brief example. And there's quite a few of them, so it might take a bit, um, but let's get to it. The first one is the station identifier. That's the first three letters of each PIREP is the station identifier. This is the nearest weather reporting location to the reported weather made in the PIREP. So for example, you might have a, a station like Seattle Station, for example, or you might have a, that might be a ICAO airport designator for it, those first three letters might be the first four letters might be KSAN like KSAN because the weather report ca came from San Diego airport or it might come from like an FSS station or a weather station like that so it could come from an airport or a weather station but the first three or four letters is going to be where the report the nearest report reported station or airport is to the PIREP so that gives you a general idea of where it's at. The next thing is gonna be either a UA, so Uniform Alpha, or Uniform Uniform Alpha. UA is a routine PIREP, while UUA is an urgent PIREP. So you'll wanna look for that. The next thing, uh, you'll definitely wanna like look out for the UUA ones like in your altitude band and in your area, because that is an urgent PIREP report and usually means something dangerous is going on in that area. The next thing is gonna be location. Now, each of the next categories, they're gonna be divided up in the PIREP, which makes it a little bit easier to read than like a METAR or a TAF. If you remember a METAR or a TAF, it was sort of just like, it would have a block of text, a space, then a block of text, a block of text and space, and then a block of text. And you kind of have to just know by looking at the text, like, okay, that ends in KT, so they're talking about knots, that must be wind. 
And this one has a two numbers and a forward slash and then two numbers. This is probably the temperature dew point spread, but it doesn't really tell you what it is before that. A pyrep breaks it, these different sections down and categories down. So the first one is location. And e so each category is broken down. It'll be a forward slash. So whenever you see a forward slash, that means you're in a new category with new information in the pyrep. And for location, the abbreviation is forward slash OV. Not sure, again, where that came from. If anyone has information on where these original abbreviations came from in Pyreps, Metars, and Tafs, let me know. Hit us up at team at parttimepilot.com. I'd love to know this. Not sure where the OV came from, but if you see a forward slash OV, that means the next data that you're going to read is the location. The o forward slash OV tells us that what follows is the location in relation to a VOR. The first three letters after the forward slash OV is the VOR station. The first three numbers following the VOR station is the magnetic direction from the VOR. And the last three numbers are the amount of miles from the VOR station. For example, you might see forward slash OV SEA 110035. This tells us the PIREP is for the area 035 or 35 miles east, which is 110, so not quite exactly east of Seattle VOR. So it's 35 miles in the 110 magnetic direction, which is almost east of the Seattle VOR. The next section is going to be time. Time is signified by a forward slash TM. It's forward slash TM, which that's what, that one's obvious. It stands for time. Tells us that what follows is the time of the PIREP. The four numbers following the forward slash TM are the time the PIREP was made in Zulu time or UTC. So, for example, if you have 1240, that means 1240 was the time in Zulu that PIREP was made. Pretty simple on that one. The next section is altitude. Altitude is forward slash FL. I'm pretty sure that the FL stands for flight level. It's telling you the flight level that the PIREP was made at or the altitude that the PIREP was made at. So the forward slash FL tells us that what follows is the altitude or flight level of the weather to be described in, a, in the report. The three numbers after the forward slash FL are the altitude in hundreds of feet. The altitude in hundreds of feet. That means whatever you read off, you add two zeros to it. So for example, forward slash FL085, you add two zeros to that, you get 08500, which of course, if you get rid of that first zero, tells us that the PIREP was made at 8,500 feet or 8,500 feet. Okay, the next section is aircraft type. This is signified by a forward slash TP. The forward slash TP tells us that what follows is the type of the aircraft. TP kind of makes sense. It's kind of an abbreviation for type, so that one's easy. It's important to know the type of the aircraft when the pyrep is reported uh, because of things like reporting turbulence or icing. So if it's a big aircraft, so if you know that the aircraft type is a big aircraft and it's reporting feeling turbulence, then you know that the turbulence is really bad for something like a smaller aircraft. If it's a smaller aircraft and they say like light turbulence, then it might not be such a big problem. Or if it's a a heavy aircraft that reports, you know, some some light icing, that might not be a problem for a big aircraft, but it might be a real big problem for a small aircraft. Basically, any small problem for a big aircraft is a lot bigger problem for a small aircraft. So you want to know the size and the type of the aircraft. The next section is the weather. This is signified by forward slash WX. That kind of makes sense. I've seen that even before aviation. I saw forward slash WX as an abbreviation for weather. Not sure where the X comes from. But this tells us that what follows is the weather being reported by in the PIREP. The weather reported here can be 
flight visibility, precipitation, restrictions of visibility, and more, just like sort of in the METARS and TAFs where we had the it would describe the types of weather. And for example, you might get something like forward slash WXFV Foxtrot Victor 02SM for statute miles space RA space FG. This tells us that the weather at this location is rain, RA, fog, and a flight visibility, that's the FV, the Foxtrot Victor, of two statute miles. So that's the FV02SM that tells you flight visibility of two statute miles, and that's followed by RAFG. So flight visibility of two statute miles with rain and fog. That is the weather in that example. The next section is gonna be sky. This is signified by a forward slash SK. Tell, this tells us that what follows is the sky conditions and cloud layers in the PIREP. So SK, sky, that one's pretty easy. It's two of the three letters, so not hard to remember on that one. For example, forward slash SK, BKN021 dash TOP065. This tells us there, there's a broken cloud layer at 2100 feet. So BKN021, that's going to be, BKN is going to be the type of cloud layer, right? Broken, overcast, all those ones. I'm blanking on them right now. But so it's going to tell you the, the, the type of cloud layer. So in this case, broken. And then the next three letters are going to be the flight level in, again, hundreds of feet. So 0 to 1, you add two zeros to the 2 on, you get 2,100 feet. So you got a broken cloud layer at 0 to 1. And then it went dash top 0, 065. And that tells you that the, so the, the floor of the cloud layer is at, to 2,100 feet, but the top, when you see top, that's telling you what the top of the cloud layer is, is which is 6,500 feet. Now, this is important because if you are flying VFR and you want, you can't fly in clouds, you might want to fly above clouds or over clouds. It's important to know both the, you know, the starting level, the floor of the cloud layer and the top or ceiling of that cloud layer. So we call that sort of the floor and the top, and that's signified by TOP065. So that tells you the top is at 6,500 feet, the top of that cloud layer. All right, the next one is temperature. Temperature is signified by forward slash TA or forward slash TA and then an M symbol. Um, before before the numbers, and I'll get to why that is. The force slash TA tells us that what follows is the temperature in degrees Celsius. In M tells us that the temperature is negative. This is, or a minus, right? So M means minus when you see that before the numbers. This is just like we saw in METARS and TAFs. So for example, force slash TA M16, this tells us that the temperature is minus 16 degrees Celsius. The next section is wind. This is signified by forward slash WV and then six different numbers. Forward slash WV tells us what follows is the wind velocity and direction. So when WV stands for, I think, wind velocity. That makes sense to me. First three numbers following the forward slash WV is the direction the wind is coming from. The last three numbers are the velocity of the wind in knots. So for example, you might get forward slash WV 040035. This tells us that the wind is from the Northeast or 040 and it's at a speed of 035 or 35 knots. So 040 at 35 knots for the wind. The next part of the PIREP is the turbulence. This is signified by forward slash TB and usually three letters, three letters. Uh, the forward slash TB tells us that what follows is the turbulence. The letters following the forward slash TB can either be LGT, which stands for light, MOD, which stands for moderate, or SEV, which stands for severe, or you can actually see EXE. 
TRM, which obviously is extreme. They just left out the E's. So you can see, again, you see LGT for light, MOD for moderate, SEV for severe, or EXTRM for extreme. There can also be a range of turbulence intensities reported with a dash in between them. For example, you might get LGT to dash MOD, which is light to moderate turbulence. Also included with the turbulence data can be the type of turbulence, which can be CHOP or CAT. So C-H-O-P or C-A-T. CHOP stands for CHOP or choppy turbulence, while CAT stands for clear air turbulence. So those are sort of just like it sounds. Choppy is kind of choppy sort of in and out turbulence while clear air turbulence is, it's almost like clear ice, right? It's, you, you, you don't really expect it and it, it can. CHOP stands for CHOP or choppy turbulence while CAT stands for clear air turbulence. Clear air turbulence is sudden severe turbulence occurring in cloudless regions that causes violent buffeting of aircraft. So it's very dangerous, one, because you don't see any clouds, you don't see any weather really, so you don't really expect to have some sort of turbulence and it can be really violent and, and dangerous to your aircraft. While chop is sort of, like it sounds, it's just kind of choppy in and out here and there sort of turbulence. Also can be dangerous, but there's a there's a sort of clear difference between, between the two. Finally, an altitude range may also be included in hundreds of feet for the turbulence. So the turbulence can have a lot of different information. And I think Pyrep's turbulence is sort of the most reported thing in a Pyrep because that's really one of the most uh, likely reasons that you would want a report from up in the air, right? We don't really have sensors for turbulence up in the air. So that's why pyreps are so valuable for turbulence. So that's why there's also a lot of information about it. So you can have altitude, again, in hundreds of feet, just as the flight, just as in the flight level reporting. Uh, for example, you might see forward slash TB mod dash SEV or MOD dash SEV, so moderate to severe, CAT, clear air turbulence, 040-050. So that tells us that the turbulence is clear air turbulence and it's moderate to severe and it's found in the flight levels of 040-050, which is 4,000 feet to 5,000 feet. All right, the next section is icing. Icing can be signified by forward slash IC. That's an easy one. Tells us that what follows is gonna be the reported icing conditions for the PIREP. Just like turbulence, there is a range of icing intensities that can be reported. These are trace, T-R-A-C-E. That means trace amount of ice. LGT, which stands for light. MOD, which stands for moderate, again, or severe, which stands for severe. So again, that's trace, light, moderate, or severe. A type of icing may also be reported. These can be RIME, R-I-M-E, and that stands for, for RIME, or it can be CLEAR, which, which uh, the abbreviation is CLR, so that's pretty easy, CLEAR, or the abbreviation MX, which stands for mixed. So what is the difference between RIME and CLEAR ice? Rime is when super cool droplets of rain stick on a surface, like the surface of your aircraft that is even colder and then freezes onto your aircraft. So it almost can, can freeze in bunches and that's kind of rime ice. So the, the wet drops hit your aircraft and then they freeze in sort of like almost like balls or even like like icicle type type things that you would think of. And then clear ice is where the droplet hits and then it smooths out over the surface and then freezes like that over the surface. So it's there's still ice, but it's they call it clear because it's a little bit harder to see because it sort of matches the shape of your aircraft, but there's a, 
a frozen layer of liquid on your aircraft so it's still very dangerous and then mixed is a mixture of both of those an altitude level may also accompany the icing data just as it does for turbulence and so for an example you might see forward slash ic mod rime 050-060 this tells us that there was moderate rime ice so mod and then rime moderate rime ice reported between 050 and 060 or 5000 to 6000 feet and finally the last section of a pyrep is going to be the remarks just like the metars and tafs and that will be signified by forward slash rm this tells us that what follows the rm are the remarks for the pirate, which may include many different elements. Remarks can tell us information about wind shear, tornadoes, thunderstorms, lightning, volcanic eruptions, etc. A lot of times you'll see the air traffic control region mentioned in the remarks. These all start with a Z and regions can be seen below. This just gives you a little bit more information about the general region. And I say below, sorry, I forget that I'm on a podcast. I'm looking at our lesson right now. So you can kind of see a map of the United States with all the different regions. You got like ZSE for Seattle Center, which covers like Washington, parts of Idaho and Oregon. Then you got Oakland Center, which covers Northern California, Los Angeles, Southern, Southern California. You got Southern California. You got Salt Lake City, which covers like most of Nevada, Utah and, and some of the Dakotas uh, and so on. Uh, so go check that out if you want to be in there. But that is something that's commonly seen in the remarks. And then I, as I mentioned, Stuff like wind shear, tornadoes, thunderstorms, lightning, volcanic eruptions, and those abbreviations will be very similar to the abbreviations found in the METARs and TAFs. So go, if you're trying to read a PIREP and you see the remarks and you're trying to, you're struggling with what it says, go check out our METARs and TAFs lesson. Look at the examples in there that I have for all those abbreviations and you'll probably be able to figure it out. Okay, so that has been the lesson on PIREPs. I am, I need a drink of water. So let's pause right here. I'll play this quick break for you guys and something you guys as student pilots and pilots might all be interested in and then we'll get back together and we'll continue on with the episode. Hey pilots, this is Nick again. Did you guys know that Part-Time Pilot now has a private pilot test prep book that you can buy on Amazon? It's a physical book that you can buy on Amazon to help prep for your FAA written exam. So it's like the other test prep books out there, you know, the Jepson, Asa, or the Gleam, Glime, however you pronounce it. It's just like those but I called ours the ultimate private pilot test prep because not only does it give you a synopsis of each subject, like the cliff notes, like those other books do, and then it gives you FAA written questions to practice and quiz yourself on to, to prep for the test, but it also goes much, much further, and that's why we call it the ultimate private pilot test prep book. So for each subject, it also has a QR code so that as you're reading it, you if you want more information, you can scan the QR code on your phone or your tablet and it will immediately pull up a YouTube video that you can watch on the subject. There's also QR codes in there for additional downloads including FAA, PDFs, subject area checklists, and more PDFs for, from us that you can download for free. It also includes a coupon code and QR code where you can go enroll in online practice tests for free 
and receive the PDF version of the book completely free. All that is with Q simple, easy to use QR codes inside the book. And then we also, not only does it have the cliff notes of all the information, but it also includes mnemonic devices and visual aids, such as diagrams, tables, and images that are labeled, such as like a METAR that is labeled every single thing that is included and deciphered in the METAR or a TAF. Also the performance charts, step-by-step -step labeled steps on performance calculation charts. So it's not just cliff note bullet points, it's that plus much, much more these visual aids, all in 404 pages in the Ultimate Private Pilot Test Prep book, and it is only $37. So you can go check that out on Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes, so go check it out. All right, welcome back. So the next lesson is lesson 14 of section five, and this is on area forecast. Now these are pretty dang intuitive now, so there's not too much in this lesson that I'll talk about. I just want you to go ahead and go and play around with these because they are very valuable. I'll tell you a little bit about them and what you can find using this tool at aviationweather.gov. Again, I'll put the link to that in the show notes. That is the place to go for weather. I'm not saying that other places aren't good to to get weather. There literally is no not to there's literally not enough information you can get on weather for your flight. So you want to get it from multiple sources. Make sure you have a good understanding of the possible weather for your trip, but I am saying aviation weather should be probably your first stop. So aviationweather.gov uses a graphical area forecast tool that makes life a lot easier for pilots. They call it the graphical forecast for aviation or GFA tool, and it can be accessed again at aviationweather.gov. I'll put again a link of, on that in the show notes. GFAs are weather charts best used to learn the forecast weather along your proposed route of flight as well as at your destination if it has no terminal forecast. To best determine general forecast weather conditions covering a flight information region, the pilot should refer to a GFA. To move the map around as well as zoom in on specific areas, just above the map, you're going to see some, some buttons like forecast, OBS-warn, or settings. These selections are for forecasts, observations, and warnings, and settings. Obviously, when forecast is selected, you'll be able to see information at the current time as well as forecasts up to 14 hours in the future. And you can then when you click that, you'll be able to actually uh, a time bar from zero to 14 or 15 Zulu, I think it goes one out one Zulu to 15 Zulu at the example I'm looking at and allow you to scroll that bar into the future. So you can move that to two hours into the future, three hours in the future, four or five, all the way up to 14 hours into the future to see the forecasted, you know, hourly forecast in the future change on the map. When uh, the observations or warnings button is selected, you'll be able to see information at the current time as well as up to 14 hours in the past. When settings is selected, a large dialog box will pop up and allow you to select and deselect many items that you wish to see or not see on the map. So allow you to configure the map on what you want to see. If you want to see like wind information, cloud information, precipitation information, you know, pressure, all that stuff. So that is a very helpful tool. Probably first thing you want to do is click on settings and see what type of stuff you want to see. When forecast is selected, you will see a specific set of options as well as a sliding time bar 
like I mentioned, capable of showing you graphical data from the current time up to 14 hours in the future. When each of these buttons is selected, so you have buttons like TAF, SIG slash VIZ, Clouds, PCPN slash WX, TS, WINS, TURB, and ICE, and I'll go through over what each one of those are, but when each of these buttons are selected, the chart will change to show you different information. A legend of the symbols underneath the map will also change. And this is nice because the one thing I like that they did about this tool is they have that legend under each one. So you don't have to memorize as much of the stuff on the map because the legend will change on there for you. And you can just look down on the legend and be like, oh yeah, that's what this symbol means right there. And actually gives you like, for example, the little wind flags, it tells you how sort of how to read the wind flags and all that stuff. So that is really nice. A menu of options inside the chart along the left side will also change. Some of them will be sliding scales to change the altitude you want the information for. So you can actually change the altitude. Not only can you change the time, so you can say, I want to look at the weather 10 hours in the future, but I also want to look at the weather, not at the surface, but I want to see it at 10,000 feet, right? So that is really, really cool. So in the online ground school, I've broken it down to all the snapshots of the different menus that you can see. So I have a snapshot for the TAF. If you click the TAF button, that's a terminal area forecast. It's going to show you at all the terminal areas, all the airports, all the, the local area forecasts. Then you have a SIG slash VIZ button that's ceilings and visibilities. So if you click that, it's going to show you like LIFR, IFR, MVFR, different visibilities, as well as some stuff like AirMets and stuff like that. So that is a useful one. Then you have the clouds button, and that's going to show you based off different color contours, as well as symbols, of the cloud coverage, whether it's clear, few, scattered, broken, overcast. And then it's also going to do it sort of by colors over the map. Very cool tool. Then PCPN slash WX as precipitation and weather. Again, you're going to have like colors for rain. Rain will be green. A chance of rain will be light green. A likely chance... Uh, a small chance of rain will be light green. A heavier chance of rain will be dark green. Then you got the same thing for snow, which is blue, light, and dark blue. Mix, which is like a light and dark magenta. And then you have ice, which is light and dark orange. And then thunderstorms, which is light and dark dark red. And then you have stuff like sigmets and also warnings for like thunderstorms, winterstorms, blizzards, and all that stuff. You also have weather type like haze, fog, smoke, and dust and sand, which is like sort of stuff for visibilities. Then you got the thunderstorms button, which will tell you stuff that about isolated, scattered, or numerous thunderstorms based off color on the map. Then you got winds. It'll color code, have a color contour of the wind speeds. So it starts with like, it's really cool. It starts with like white, gray, then you get into light blue, dark blue, and then you get into the like yellows, oranges, reds, dark reds, and magentas and pinks. So really cool there. And, and again, the menu will tell you what each of these colors mean. And then also will pop up the little wind flags and show you what the, those are and where they're at on the map. So that you know the direction of the wind. Then you got turbulence, which again, color coded in like a heat map of turbulence. So you got, you know, light turbulence is like soft colors, like light blue and light green. Then you get moderate, which is kind of orange, severe, which is like a dark orange, and then extreme, which is like a dark red. So it's, it's just like a heat map if you're looking like, you know, Predator's vision, if you've ever seen Predator movies, you know, where they see heat maps of like a snake's vision in IFR, or sorry, IR, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. So really cool. Uh, I want you to go around and play. Oh, sorry. And then ICE, they also have 
the, the button on ice. Again, color coded for trace, light, moderate, heavy. It takes all these reports, right? These METARs, these TAFs, these PIREPs, and it puts it into a graphical visual tool with colors. So it's really, really cool and handy. If the observation and warning selection is made instead of the forecast just above the map, then the following selections will become available. So now you have METAR, PCPN slash WX, CIG slash VIS, so that's ceilings and visibility. And I think that's an I, it might be, I think it's an I, yeah, it could be an L, but either one works for ceiling and visibility. And then, sorry, PCPN slash WX was precipitation and weather. Then you have PIREP. And then you also have RAD SAT. So we'll go over again what each of those kind of are. But no matter which selection is made, the map will turn into a radar and satellite image overlapping the train and specific information. When each of these buttons is selected, the chart will change to show you different information. A legend of symbols, just like before, underneath the map will also change to help you decipher symbols and read the chart easily. A menu of options inside the chart along the left side will also change. And then if you're following along in the online ground school, I have a snapshot of each and every one of these options. So METAR, which again is a meteorological terminal air report, it's gonna have everything you would get in a METAR in, but it's gonna put it on the map for you. And it's gonna show you the legend of what every single thing means. So stuff like sky coverage, uh, wind, visibility, precipitation, all that stuff is going to be shown in in there on the map when you select the METAR and it's going to be for METAR so it's going to be around of course the airports and then you'll have the precipitation and weather button again that's sort of the same thing as before when we were on the forecast then you have ceilings of visibility it's again same thing it's going to color code those and put them in a graphical format for you on the map and then you have PIREP which again is the PIREP pilot report which I talked about so it's going to give you a visual of these pilot reports around the United States it's really cool so you can get stuff like turbulence at different altitudes you can select your altitudes all the way up I think to like 48,000 feet and then you can get stuff like icing and there's different symbols and it'll show you what each and every symbol means very very cool tool and then finally RADSAT which is radar and satellite that's going to show you like a radar and satellite view overlaid on the map so you can see stuff like that you would see like on when you're watching the weather right you, you would see on the weather channel you would see like the the precipitation and the clouds kind of moving in from those radar satellite images finally when settings is selected you're going to see this big box of settings and you'll have all these radio buttons and options and you can turn off things like if you don't want to see the sigmets or the warnings you can change the opacity of those so you can make it 10% or like 90% if you want it really dark or you want it more transparent. Uh, you can turn off like forecasts. You can turn off different overlays, METARs. You can change the settings on METARs, PIREPs, satellite, radar, all that stuff. You can also show whether you want to like show all the airports. And you can say, I only want to see the private airports. I only want to see the military airports or the public airports. You can select all these different settings in that settings box. So go again, play around with this. It's a really valuable tool. And I break down each and every setting, what those uh, settings mean and what, uh, like an example of it. So example, for example, in the lesson, I show you what changing the opacity to 50% will look like rather than a hundred percent. 
and then I tell you what density, the changing the density values mean, the scale, the pyrep settings, the satellite, the radar, and the map settings. I'm not gonna go over these. I think I've already kind of gone over enough on this graphical tool that's meant for visualization. It's not really meant for a podcast, but I wanted to briefly cover sort of these major settings to tell you, give you an idea of what it is that you can see and observe with these area forecasts. So basically, all the forecasts that we talked about, all the reports that you got to read and decipher all this data in these abbreviations, it puts that all into an easy to understand graphical visual aid of the whole United States where you can actually see a specific time in the future, specific times in the past, and specific altitudes. Very awesome tool, aviationweather.gov go and check that out but not a lot on kind of the how to use that tool so that is really more so for your actual flight planning your check ride and things like that but it's a great tool go check that out and if you're in the online ground school you have a basically a complete tutorial of every single setting in in the area forecast so that was lesson 14 of of the online ground school lesson 14 of section 5 so we that we'll call it good for for now for today's episode next week we will continue on with lesson 15 so that's going to be winds and temperatures aloft forecast these are very good and simple sort of quick ways to find the winds and temperatures at your cruise altitudes so we'll go over that it's an important tool that you need to know you might be thinking, well, can I get that from an area forecast? Yes, you can. This is sort of the graphical version of that. So we'll go over how to read that because you will be tested on it on your FA written and maybe on your check ride. So we got to go over that stuff and it's a good tool, very simple tool, but we'll go over some of the stuff on how to decipher it. And then we'll probably get into lesson 16, which is low level significant weather charts. You might be asked a couple questions about those. Lesson 17 is radar weather observations. Lesson 18 is air mets and sigmets. And then finally lesson 19 is weather briefings and that is the last lesson 19 total lessons in section 5 on weather theory charts and information it's a big section and it's a very important section but we are nearing the end people so we're almost there uh, i know i'll be excited for <laughs> to talk about a new section so we're almost there it's still some important stuff though that I know there's questions on winds and temperatures aloft on the FA written. I know there's questions on low-level significant weather. I know there's questions on airmets and segments, and I know there's even questions on weather briefings. So important stuff that we got to cover and we got to remember. So stick with me before we get on to the next section. And thank you guys for listening. As always, if you want to join us in the best online ground school, go check us out at www.parttimepilot.com, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Hey guys, it's Nick. I want to take a second to speak directly to the student pilots out there. You might be a student pilot that is, you know, wondering what to do next, how to get started, or maybe you're looking for the right ground training or flight training, or maybe you've already started ground training or flight training and you're stuck, you're in a rut, and you're looking for a change, something to help get you out of that hurdle. From my own experience in flight training, after three years, five instructors and $22,000 and wanting to quit multiple, multiple times. And then now, after seeing hundreds and hundreds of student pilots through part-time pilot, I've realized that the number one thing that makes student pilots fail is that they do not have a good fundamental understanding of the ground training when they get to the more advanced flight lessons. Now, who here has seen Top Gun Maverick? Do you remember in the movie when he says, don't think, just do? Now, when I heard this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is 
brilliant because this is exactly what you have to be as a pilot. Now, of course, it's not that we're not thinking, but it's that we understand things like weather, aerodynamics, what our instruments are telling us, what ATC is telling us. We have such a good core fundamental understanding of these things that we don't have to think about them. And when we don't have to think about them, we can instinctively feel and fly the aircraft, look out for dangers and avoid emergency situations. If we do have to think about these things, it's going to put us behind mentally and we're going to be behind the aircraft. And when you're behind the aircraft mentally, bad things happen. And this happens when you don't have a good understanding of the ground school content. So now the first 10 to 15 hours of your flight training can go smooth, even if you don't have a good understanding of ground training, right? You can go up for a discovery flight, have a blast. You can go up, learn how to take off, learn how to land. You may be even able to solo for the first time fly a plane for the first time everything's great and dandy but once you get into you know bad weather flying or flying at heavy heavily trafficked airports or speaking with ATC for Bravo clearance or cross-country flight planning and flying solo on a cross-country flight things get a little more advanced and when this happens and you don't have a good understanding of the ground school concepts you're gonna hit a wall you're gonna start to get behind the aircraft and when this happens if you have a good flight instructor, they're going to stop you and they're going to say, okay, we need to do one-on-one -on -one ground lessons. And now you're going to be paying your flight instructor to not even fly with you, but instead $50, $60, $70 an hour to just teach you the ground school content that you should already know. And, at, and the worst part is, is you're not flying with them. So the flight training that you gain, the currency, the proficiency that you gain is going to be lost and you're going to have to redo those lessons. What happens to most student pilots is they continuously hit these mental blocks where they get behind the aircraft they start making mistakes and then they catch up with the ground knowledge only to have that happen again and they start to get in this vicious cycle of having to redo trainings and repay for trainings until it gets to the point where them or their family they finally say you know what this has to stop we can no longer afford the training costs uh, without any progress you know and they end up quitting now so how do we avoid that well, here comes part-time pilot. Again, I said I went through my own experience of this and I realized that most flight training and ground training is not tailored to the modern day student pilot. And when I say modern day student pilot, I should say modern day part-time student pilot because let's face it, there's a very small percentage of us that can go and dedicate 24-7, 365 to our flight training or not even miss a beat and be able to pay for flight training without working. So most of us have a full-time job or maybe a part-time job. We have kids, we have family, we have school. We have all these other responsibilities on top of flight training. And most of these flight trainings and ground trainings are not tailored towards you. And so how is it the part-time pilot tailors to the modern day student pilot? Well, the first way we do that is by keeping ground school interesting. You wanna avoid being boring, you wanna avoid that burnout. So how we do that is we present our material in multiple, multiple ways. And you're actually listening to one of them right now. You can consume our content via this podcast and an audio recording. You can do this while you're running, while you're driving in traffic. Again, tailoring to that busy part-time student pilot. Or you can read through our written lessons. You know, I like to read, so read. for those of you that like to read, you can read through the lessons. You can see the step-by-step -step examples and the procedures that we have. 
Or you can look through our study guide and see our diagrams and mnemonic devices, have that visual cue, those visual cues and aids that help further your understanding. Or you can watch our videos. Or you can take our quizzes and practice tests to reinforce what you just learned. And then finally, you can join us live weekly for our live Q&A and our live lessons so you can see in real time these things taught out and these examples done in real time. And then finally, you can utilize our group community to form study groups, get questions answered 24-7. All of this is tailored for the modern day student pilot to keep ground school interesting, keep it from being boring, keep from having that burnout, and to find ways that you can consume the content throughout your busy schedule. And guess what? It works. We've had over 350 student pilots come through, take and pass their FAA exams without a single student failing. That's right. A single student has yet to tell me that they failed either their FAA written or their FAA checkride. So that is just proof in the pudding right there that our concepts, the way we explain things in plain written English, and the way we give you multiple ways to consume this content is working. So if this sounds like something you might be interested and in, you want to come join us, we'd love to have you. Just go to www.parttimepilot.com, click on Online Ground School, and we'll see you inside the Online Ground School. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.